Welcome back to First Generation, a podcast for the first generation Asian kids navigating adulthood. This week is episode seven, and I invited Anita back for another episode, this time about the confusing nature of friendships in our 20s and 30s. We discussed the moment we realized that making friends as an adult requires more active effort, how we've come to being more open to different types of friendships, and lastly, the lack of clear guidelines. How exactly do you grow a friendship and how do you know where you stand with someone and how much time are they looking to invest in you how do you address issues or handle a friendship that maybe is past its prime these of course aren't questions specific to first-gen Asian kids but because it's a universal experience it's something that I'm sure many of us can relate to and have thoughts about We ended this episode with more questions than answers, but if it sparks some thoughts for you, let me know through Instagram message or email. Okay, so the topic for today is friendships. Um, I feel like it's such a big part of life, but we don't really talk about it as much as we do romantic relationships. Um, And you and I kind of talked about how like school gave us a structure, right? To like meet friends, um, have those friendships form organically, but in adulthood, it feels like those structures kind of go away and then you it's a whole different slate Mm. um that you have to deal with now and so when you look back like how are your friendships now as an adult i mean obviously you're younger than me (laughs) by a couple years (laughs) so uh you just i think you graduated now at this point a year ago two years ago oh two years ago so how are friendships as an adult different from friendships when we were in school Um, I think a lot of people would say that making friends as adults is a lot harder than making friends in school. Because like you said, in school, the environment you're in, you're seeing the same people every day. You're being basically forced (laughs) to spend time together and take part in common activities like class. Um, And then once you're out of that environment, you sort of have to learn how to make friends in a way that's not as natural, sort of making more effort. But I would say personally for me, I think my struggle with making friends actually started when I was still in school. Mm. So I would say after high school in university, I had trouble making friends. So I had friends that I would sit next to in Mm. class, but we wouldn't hang out outside of class. Or even the friends that I sometimes hung out with outside of class, um, we didn't keep in touch after uni. So... I did, I felt insecure about this Mm. for a while because we've discussed before the college experience that's portrayed in the media is that this is the time for you to find your group of people. And even what I was seeing from my classmates around me, they had their own tight-knit group that they did everything together. They planned their class schedules together Mm -hmm. and some of them even moved in together. So at the time, I definitely had moments of like, oh my god, where's my group mm-hmm. of college friends? Like, is there something wrong with me? But retrospectively, I think a major factor in that, which you share as well, is that I went to university in mm-hmm. the city that I grew up in, so in Toronto. Um, so actually, for the first two years, I didn't feel as much pressure to make new friends because mm-hmm. I thought, well, I still have my high school Ugh. friends. Like, I don't really need new friends. It was only in the later years when seeing all the groups that my classmates formed, I was like, oh, I don't have the group that I'm (laughs) supposed to have. 
And I also lived at home during this time and I would commute to school. So I'd only be on campus like three days a week. Mm -hmm. And literally as soon as class was over, I would leave. Like (laughs) I would not hang around. I didn't like ask anybody for coffee after. You're like, I have places to be. <laughs> yes. Okay? Literally made no effort. Like as soon as class ended, I You're dead to me. Fucking fled the campus. <laughs> Yet I would go home and I would be like, why can't I make friends? Mm. So I think this really ties into what you mentioned about we expect friendships to happen naturally. Mm. Um as opposed to romantic relationships where it's a lot more there's more explicit communication. Mm-hmm. Like it's so much more straightforward to maybe ask somebody out, but like how do you ask somebody to be your be friend? Your friend? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. so at that time, so I feel like even though I was still in school, I feel like that was my first experience with adult friendships mm-hmm. because it wasn't happening happening naturally. I was questioning like oh is there mm-hmm. something wrong with me? Yeah, I share the same insecurity as you. And I, I do I really like how you're defining adult friendships not from the start of graduation from college. I think you're right. Like it starts after you graduate from high school because in high school and middle school you're basically going to school with the same maybe the same people or like people who live in your city mm. or your town. And college or university is the first time that your bubble is expanding, right? But I think, as you said, because we both went to university within our own hometowns, we already had friends in that place. And so it felt like, and I, like, looking back, I do think it's more of a defensive mechanism. Mm. Um, Because making friends, like you said, it's awkward. (laughs) Um, Especially because I think we, in high school, you expected it to form organically. And Mm -hmm. so now needing to make effort to to create and then sustain the friendship is relatively new. And then on top of that, you know, you have a home to go to, you have friends to go to. So I don't need to, you know, go out of my way to create mm-hmm. these friendships. Does that sound familiar? Yes. <laughs> oh my God. As soon as you said defense mechanism, I'm like, oh wow, actually that's so accurate. Mm. Like I was saying in the first two years, it didn't really bother me, but I think it's because I was just using it as an excuse. Like mm-hmm. I don't need to do this because I have my own friend yeah i think mm-hmm. when you're in the moment it's very easy to blame yourself and mm-hmm. think oh there's something wrong with me but then i think it's only once you've put some distance between mm-hmm. yourself and that time is when you're able to see it more clearly and be like oh actually i didn't make any effort or actually this is just something that's portrayed in media it's not mm-hmm. the college experience yeah so you went to university in toronto in your own um hometown yes Then you decided to move to Hong Kong, and that's where we met. But what were your concerns moving to a new city? Because that's the first time that you're moving to a new city as an adult. So what were some of your concerns? So near the top of my list of anxieties was not being able to make friends, especially coming from my uni experience. Mm. I mean, number one on my list was getting COVID and dying alone in a foreign country. (laughs) But like just below that was having nobody to get brunch with me on the weekends Mm -hmm. um so yeah before i came i did do like extensive research i looked into bumble bff like meetups or like volunteering opportunities where i could possibly meet people but i think my brain just likes to think of the worst case scenario and just accept it so before i Mm -hmm. came i just accepted the fact that i would spend a lot of time alone 
In fact, you know that when mm. I first came and I was looking at apartments here, I was just looking at apartments near our office, which is in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> because Actually, I thought... Actually, it's where the rich people live. Okay, but like, it's where like all only families yes. and like grandmas live. <laughs> because I literally thought like, I ain't got nowhere to be. Like nobody's going to be inviting me out. So I don't need to live near... Yeah the city center instead i must live within two minutes walking distance from of the, the office, office. <laughs> yes, i literally thought i was just gonna come here and go to work go back home Re- literally it seems like repeat the same routine i had in university just go to class and then as soon as it's over go back home i think you approached it in the same way then as you did in university yeah so yeah i i had the same like worst case scenario <laughs> Um, but as a result, I took the opposite route, which was, I'm just going to shove myself in a very uncomfortable situation, Hmm. which was, so I only looked at co-living spaces because I knew like, like you said, right? Like in high school, you were kind of forced to be friends with people. Not that you wouldn't be friends with them otherwise, but like, it was just the constant reinforcement of having them in your classes and then having lunch with them and then going home together. Um, So I'm like, well, what better way to recreate that than to live in a a dorm for adults (laughs) who are new to a city, right? Mm. But yeah, I think we had similar concerns. Wow, that's so interesting that we had the same concern, but I took (laughs) the very like safe route of just staying in my shell while Mm. you pushed yourself to do what makes you uncomfortable because i also looked at the exact same co-living space and i was also like okay if i want to meet people this is definitely the place to go but again my brain just thought of worst case scenario is i move into this place but i'm not brave enough to Mm. go into the common spaces so i just end up you know locking myself in my tiny room the entire Mm. time but yeah did you have that concern that even if you did go mm. to this co-living space, you wouldn't or it wouldn't fulfill what you wanted mm-hmm. it to. Oh, for sure. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be that person that goes straight to my room <laughs> right after I come home from work. I think eventually I just thought even if I can't create like really good friendships, maybe I can latch myself onto like one or two people who, <laughs> you know, like we can just go get brunch, right? Maybe mm. we don't know each other's life story and that's fine. Mm. That's the angle at which I saw it. But I think it's because, so I felt like if I don't make friends within the first couple of months of me being in Hong Kong, then this is just going to be how it is for the rest of Hong Kong. Mm. And then it's going to suck. And then therefore, I'm going to hate the couple of years I'm uh, of Hong Kong. Um, and then I'll go back home sad. <laughs> like So I did like, worst case scenario the entire mm. way out and felt like okay because of that i the stakes are very high in the first couple oh, of months in I hong see. kong that's yeah. interesting okay so we had the same worst case scenario but mm. we also interpreted differently yeah because you thought okay if i have no friend my experience is gonna suck mm. whereas for me i thought okay if i make no friends i spend all my time by myself then i'll just treat this as a finding <laughs> myself <laughs> period of my life which i saying it now sounds like such bullshit but that's Mm. what i told myself to make me feel like less pressure Mm. about making friends well now that you've we have experience moving to a new city and making friendships with a fresh start what are some things that you've learned about friendships in general i think the biggest thing i've realized is you should keep an open mind when it comes to 
mm-hmm. friendships because you'd be surprised or at least I was surprised at the variety of people that I could get on with mm-hmm. um I would actually say the majority of the friends that I've made here I would not have been friends with them back home in terms of like walks of life or mm-hmm. age I don't think we would have crossed paths. Nothing AKA <laughs> Jen, you're I'm old. I'm not saying you're old. I mean, we have friends that are way older. older. Mm. But yeah, so keep an open mind. Yeah. How about you? I have always prioritized connection mm. in my friendships. What I mean by that is like, if I met a friend and I'm like, wow, we can talk for hours um, and it wouldn't be awkward. And if, you know, we can basically you, Um, (laughs) if I feel like they can understand me without me painstakingly trying to explain myself, Mm. I would totally prioritize that friendship. But I think what I've realized is there's two other things that are also really important. One is quality time. And then the second one is proximity. Mm. Because now, you know, we um, have at least gone through a couple of cycles of friendships, right? Like your when you graduated high school, when you graduated college versus now being an adult. And I think to a certain extent, connection isn't, I've realized like connection isn't the most important thing. Mm. Uh, One, because I've actually lost friendships in the past where I felt that way about them. Um, And, you know, we were friends for a couple of years and then just somehow things happen and we're no longer friends. Mm -hmm. Um, It speaks to you actually need to one invest the time to create memories together like that's another thing i felt like a lot of my friendships where i prioritize that connection whenever we would meet it would just be like let me update you everything about my life mm. and vice versa like they would do the same but i realized like we're not creating new memories together though mm-hmm. you know and creating new memories can be as simple as like we go to a museum or we take a trip or we try out this new like restaurant together it doesn't have to always be like a really deep conversation (laughs) um so yeah i think the importance of quality time and then proximity because i realized it's so great having like you don't live very far away our friend dan lives really close by so and we like are able to like pop in his apartment for dinners um so i don't know i think that's really special and it really does strengthen the friendship in ways that i never thought were that important do you think a friendship has to have all three of those criteria in order to be Mm. fulfilling or do you think minimum Mm. (laughs) one out of three is enough for me to be like i want to put time into this friendship well i think the combination of quality time and connection means that this is a friendship that is probably going to be healthy and can Mm -hmm sustain over time mm-hmm. um it, i mean yeah you it could be one of those friendships where you're like let's get coffee in two years <laughs> but if that's the role that this person serves in your life and in their lives that's okay but i think for me i'm realizing like a satisfying friendship we have the connection and i'm willing to invest the time mm-hmm. and hopefully they are too proximity just makes it easier to invest the time mm-hmm. yeah Um, But now when you assess your friendship health, meaning how satisfied are you with the state of all your friendships as a whole, how do you assess that? I would say (laughs) 3.5. I would say 3.5 out of 5. It sounds like I'm giving an Amazon review. I don't know if that's what you expected. (laughs) No. I was like, 3.5 what? Friends? Why is it 0.5? In terms of satisfaction. So I would say 5 out of 5 is like, I'm very happy with all of my friendships so 
right now I would say 3.5, which is actually when I really thought about this, I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, this is lower than I expected maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, because although moving to a new city and, you know, making new friends has helped me progress in some ways. Like I stopped thinking like how I did in university, thinking that something was wrong with me. Mm-hmm. I've also uncovered this whole new problem, which is maintaining mm-hmm. long distance friendships. So I've admittedly been pretty bad with keeping up with my friendships back home, either reaching out to catch up or replying to messages in a timely manner. (laughs) And luckily, they've been very understanding. But I know it's not great of me to just rely on their understanding. And even if they don't actually mind, I Mm. still feel guilty um, because I know they deserve better. So... I want to make more of an effort in maintaining my long-distance friendships, which is a totally new problem that Mm. I did not have before. Mm -hmm. How would you assess your friendship Mm. health, Jen? Mm, I think in order to answer this question, I want... It needs to be in the form of Amazon review. (laughs) (laughs) I think in in order to answer this question, and I'll get there, um, I want to talk about this theory that you explained to me before. Um, about the state of friendships as an onion. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, mm-hmm. So this is a concept that my friends and I back home, we came up with it when we were complaining about how we have no friends. <laughs> as you were complaining. Yes, as a friend friends. group, we were complaining about how we have no friends. So I have a main group of friends back home. There's four of us and we've been friends since we were 12. Um, so it's been a while. And we were talking about how we wished we as a group had more friends and Mm -hmm. we were like well we don't actually want to add anybody to our core group of four we actually just want people that if we were to go out for the night we could just invite them um and this conversation specifically i remember took place during new year's eve when we were like we want to go out but like big group of people we can't be lit with just the four of us (laughs) So one of my friends was like, yeah, it's it's like an onion. It's like mm. we're the core of the onion and we just want more outer onion layer mm. friends. So it's actually very much in line with, I mean, you've heard of like Dunbar's number, right? Mm. It's this theory that at a given period of time, every human being is only really capable of sustaining a certain amount of friendships mm-hmm. or not friendships, relationships. So that can include your family, your romantic partner, and your other friendships. Um, And so according to the theory, your tightest circle has just five people. They're your loved ones. They probably talk to you the most often. The next layer is a layer of good friends, which are, let's say, 15. Maybe these are people that you interact with a lot at work. Yeah, just like people that you interact with very often and you feel good about. And then the other layer after that is they say 50 friends. Either way, it's this idea that you have layers of friendships. Hmm. Um, And the idea is that people can migrate in and out of these layers, Hmm. right? So like maybe for a given period of time, because you're farther away from your friends back home, maybe they're not the people that you talk to day in, day out, right? Hmm. So right now they're not in your innermost layer, but they're still, you know, in those other layers outside of that. But it ebbs and flows, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you were to go back home, let's say, and we're no Jen longer, would be transitioning I will layers. be transitioning out <laughs> and giving my position as the inner group person to somebody else. Yeah. yeah, I think that totally makes sense. And also agree with you that the numbers seem a bit 
Hmm, questionable. I don't have 50 friends. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if this is my introverted ass talking, but this sounds like way too many damn people. Um, when we first talked about The Onion, we did feel a little bit guilty because hmm. when you're dating somebody, it's totally acceptable to be like, oh, I just want something casual. Yeah. I'm not looking for a serious relationship. But you can't really say that to, to somebody you're trying to be friends with. Like, oh, you're just outer onion. I'm not looking for more core onion. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting that this is very realistic. It's an accurate representation of our friend groups, but it's like it's not explicitly communicated. Yeah. There is this other thing that I think is really interesting, which ties into Dunbar's theory. Um, but I think like the two theories together really help to kind of form how I view friendships. Um, the other one is that different friends serve different purposes. So there's three that William K. Rollins talked about, which was someone to talk to, someone to depend on, and then someone to have fun with. Mm. So when I think about like the numbers, I don't think the numbers are accurate. I think the idea of layers is accurate, but I also think it's important to think about are your friendships serving all three functions? One person probably can't serve all, and I think that's too much to ask of any human being. But, you know, like are your friendships leaning more towards someone to talk to? You have a lot of like talking friends, <laughs> but you don't have a lot of people to have fun with which is what you were mentioning right like mm. you don't have enough people you feel like who you can just like go out and have a great time mm. Mm. i remember when i was younger and i would have friends that i maybe didn't have deep conversations mm -hmm. with i would think those friendships were not worth My maintaining mm -hmm. i would think like oh me and this person don't a hundred percent click so you know, I'm just going to declutter this friendship. <laughs> um, and oh, I hate to keep mentioning, you know, media portrayals. But yeah, it's like, it's true. I always thought you had to, if somebody was your friend, they had to be like super close to you, like ride or die, like see them every day. You tell them everything. So I would think like, oh, I can't discuss everything with this friend. So we must not mm. be, you know, good friends. Like you said, I think when we were younger, maybe you prioritize friends that you can just quote unquote click with. Mm -hmm. But the for now, and I think my experience in Hong Kong has taught me that friends to have fun with are very, very important. I've realized that I don't need to have a very, very deep conversation with every single human being that I consider a friend, right? Sometimes we can just share a really good laugh um, about something we are seeing and experiencing together. We can try out new things together. And it really does satisfy me in ways that I think were more satisfying than what my, the state of my friendships before. Because now, in addition to having friends I can rely on and talk to, I also have friends that I can, you know, go out with, I guess. So yeah, so going back to that original question of how I would assess my friendship health, I would actually say it's a 4.5 out of 5. Oh. Yeah, and I think the 0. 0.5, the missing 0. 0.5, is just that I do, like you said, have anxiety about losing friendships mm. because we are not close to home. And I realize, again, because like ha spending time and creating new experiences is so important, I realize now. And, I, and, and it's obvious that we're not doing that with friends back home 
So it does concern me a little bit, right? Because everyone's lives continue to move forward just as ours do. Um, So I'm a little self-conscious about that. I'm a little worried. But other than that, I feel really fulfilled in my friendships right now. You also mentioned earlier this idea of like, you can't define the friendship like you would (laughs) a relationship, right? So unclear guidelines. To what extent do you think growing a friendship is more difficult than growing a romantic relationship? Or what are the differences then? Mm, I think high level, even the concept of growth for romantic relationships and friendships is different. Because for romantic relationships, it's always linear. Whereas for friendships, that might not be the case. Mm. So when you're dating somebody, you know, you date, you become official, then you get engaged, move in together, get married, and then Mm. baby or dog. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So if you've been in a relationship with somebody for a few years, you know it's getting serious and you expect it to progress. But with friendships, you don't always, or actually you usually don't, you know, meet, become good friends, and then become best friends forever. Mm. Um, Like I, an example I have is I have two friends that I known since I was 10. And for a few years, we were best friends, like inseparable, saw each other every day or like called each other every day. But then as we got older, we just grew apart and we still get lunch like maybe twice a year now. Um, And I still consider them my friends, but we're honestly not close anymore. And that's okay. So I think that's the difference between relationships and friendships. It's like Mm. With friendships, you can have people that you've known for decades, but you might not be close anymore. I also think you're also more likely to communicate your needs with mm-hmm. a partner than with a friend. So in a romantic relationship, you you know define what you guys are and you talk about expectations. But with friendships, everything is so implicit. Mm-hmm. Like you just have to get a feel from the other person to see mm-hmm. what they want from the friendship. Like, do they want to spend this much time together? Are we um close enough for Mm -hmm. me to invite you to my flat like you just have to get Uh, a feel for it but in my case i just force myself in (laughs) (laughs) yeah jen invites herself over (laughs) all the time (laughs) Mm, i think that's a really great point you kind of listed out all the milestones that a romantic relationship Mm. will go through and it's not to say that like romantic relationships don't ebb and flow they do right But you still have these key milestones and there is this expectation that you will keep trying Mm -hmm. and that you will communicate what's not working, at least if it's healthy. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I think you're right. Like with friendships, one, there are no key milestones. It's either like your friends are not. And then are you good friends or not? You can get friendship bracelets, though. (laughs) Possible milestone. I've actually gotten like friendship rings from like, well, we bought them together from like with different people and I've lost all of them. <gasps> we yeah. got friendship rings. Do you, you remember? Yeah. Oh yeah. On Sorry, Lama. I threw it away. <laughs> <laughs> we got these cheap, like, I think they were five Hong Kong dollars each and they Which rusted. Less than one, one USD. Yeah. And they rusted in like two days. Oh my God. Yeah. I actually, it was so funny when um, it started tarnishing. I was like, should I, Could like, should I um, throw it away because it's our friendship ring? Yeah. But then I was like, well, when we bought it, we didn't explicitly say this is our friendship ring. I thought Therefore- we did. <laughs> See, case in point. That's why, like, Jen came over, and I, I think I had, like, my jewelry out, and I was like, oh, our ring, like, I think it's turning. And you were like, oh, I already threw mine away. <laughs> I was like, 
What the hell? <laughs> See, we have issues. <laughs> we'll talk it out after this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're so right. Like you don't communicate your, <laughs> your needs or the fact that it was a friendship ring yeah. that you're not supposed to throw away. <laughs> um, so why do you think we don't communicate our needs with our friends? Because it's a choice, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's just awkward. Yeah. <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's not something that's, at least in my experience, that's commonly done. Yeah. It's like we said earlier, you don't define the friendship explicitly. You never know where they stand. Um, so like if I was really unhappy with my friendship with you, right? If I bring up issues, I'm putting myself in a very vulnerable position because I don't actually know if you value our friendship enough for you to think it's something worth addressing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It almost sounds like friendships are like an undefined romantic relationship. Mm. You know, those like really messy relationships where it's like, oh, we're not official, but like we're talking. Yeah. So it's like if you had a problem in that relationship, like maybe he didn't, you know, text you back mm. in like two days. It's like you can bring up the issue, but you're putting yourself in the position that he can either react mm. by saying, oh, I'm sorry, um, I'll fix that or oh, we're not official. Like, you can't expect this from me. me. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I think we've talked about, like, sustaining friendships is difficult because a lot of it is undefined. Um, How do you... There's two approaches, right? Either you actively try to spend quality time with this person and actively try to make it work, or you accept changes in that friendship. And you're like, okay, well... We used to be really, really close friends. We used to talk every day, but priorities are changing. And so it's okay for us to talk once every couple of months. How do you know what to do with a given friendship? Well, thinking on just my past friendships that have fluctuated, I think I've always just done the latter. So just let it flow. Mm. Um, Yeah, I've never really tried to, sounds like a bad word, but like force a friendship to be more than it needs to be or more than what the other person wants in that moment which is so difficult to gauge because no one is talking about what they yeah. want at the moment you just have to assume yeah exactly mm-hmm. yeah i think this also relates to insecurity about not knowing where you stand in somebody's life mm-hmm. it's like i'm also if i have a friendship that i feel like is deteriorating it's like i don't know if this person cares enough to repair it i guess Mm -hmm. yeah it's like even making the effort to repair it is you're putting yourself out there and you can be you know shot down Mm -hmm. so i guess i've always just let things flow and to be honest i think in the past with my friendships it's like when things have started falling apart it's I've never had it be a one-sided situation. Um, usually it's been both of us are just heading in different directions. So it's more of a natural thing that occurs. And then I don't think or I hope there's like hard. I hope there's no hard feelings on mm-hmm. either side. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Interesting. How yeah. about you? I think um, historically I have let the friendship sort of transform um, which is a f- nice way of saying, you know, I maybe I just don't consciously work on it. 
at least I was always very conscious of like did our friendship kind of is it past its prime Mm. right and like should we still try I think it's scary to actively try to make things work knowing that you don't know where you stand with this other person but also the fear that even if I did try maybe it could never be like how it was before Mm -hmm. yeah and I'm gonna be honest I think that's how I think I do have some fear about like even my friendship with you Mm. because I mean this is just like adult study abroad (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it has been something that I'm like oh no like if we go back to our respective homes right like what do we like the day that we fly out do we just stop talking to each other Mm -hmm. and I would even say it's part of the reason why my amazon friendship rating is at a 3.5 because lately i've been thinking about it more and i've been worrying more about how to maintain friendships or like you said is it okay to let friendships go past or just accept that the prime is in the past so i don't have an answer for this i know (laughs) so actually then do you believe in lifelong friends can you be a lifelong friend if you still maintain contact over time, like catching up once a year. Yeah, I think mm. even an outer onion friend can friend be a lifelong, can be a lifelong friend. friend. Yeah, but of yeah. course, I think this comes down to how you define lifelong friend. Because I'm sure some people hear the term and think like, "Oh, that's like, like somebody friend. you're super tight with." Mm. But mm-hmm. um, I just wanted to read this quote. It talks about the importance of keeping lifelong friends, and they defined it as old friends that. Are that were often best friends from a prior era who invested the time and effort to sustain their bond over the years. So these are the friends where you pick up where you left off. These enduring friendships connect adults with still meaningful versions of their possibilities as human beings and rejected alternatives. As reservoirs of common histories and shared experiences, old friends are narrators and curators of the long-term coherence and significance of each other's lives. There's a lot going on in this quote, But what I took away from it was that because I'm still friends with this person who was really important at this period of time in my life, I can see how I went from that point to this point. And in doing so, it gives this point in my life a lot more meaning. Yeah, Yeah, I can see where the quote is coming from. Because as much as I like to, I guess, vouch for only continuing friendships if they continue to serve you, Mm. I do think there is something wholesome about having friends that you've known for a really long time mm-hmm. and I think that's why I've you know maintained the friendship that I've had with my um, childhood friends even if we did grow up to be very different people mm. but I think it is important to draw that balance though you can't keep every single friend from every era of yeah. your life so you do have to choose those who I think you feel are like you should invest time in mm-hmm um so to wrap um given everything we talked about when you look forward what are two things you want to do more of or less of in your friendships definitely get better at staying in touch with my friends back home Mm -hmm. and second thing it's a bit more um vague i would say it's to figure out how to navigate fluctuating friendships Mm. so tying into being okay 
going back home eventually and not being as close to our friends here mm-hmm. yeah and me yes and you jen because mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't think i've ever gone through this before mm-hmm. with adult friendships so i'm yeah i'm just not sure what to expect mm-hmm. but i hope that we're both able to navigate it successfully yeah i think that's a great way to put it um i think the first thing is i'll just take that second one of yours cheating (laughs) um but i think the other one is um being very being more intentional with with um investing quality time in my friendships so maybe some friendships given the proximity i could ask them to do things instead of let's go grab brunch because usually what that means is we end up talking for a long time which is great but you don't always need to do that to Mm -hmm. form deeper friendships i think sometimes we just have to go out and do things um but yeah i think the the one that you mentioned about navigating fluctuating relationships i hope i can handle that well (laughs) um should we make an explicit um, yes. promise here? Okay, yeah, let's make an explicit promise. Okay. We will continue talking after we leave Hong Kong. No, I think we have to do more Why? like specific. I Not don't want like time once a frame. month thing. No, no, no. Not that. But promise me, once you get off the plane in Toronto mm-hmm. and I'm back home in New York, you're not going to stop responding to my messages. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> We'll continue talking. We'll continue talking, yeah. Okay. And that if you ever feel stressed Mm -hmm. about our friendship or if you ever start feeling like we are, like you want to invest less time, Mm. that we, that you will try to find a way to actively say that instead of just disappearing. Okay. Hmm. Right back at you. Okay. Okay. Shall we? Pinky promise? Pinky promise? We're pinky promising. (laughs) Uh, thank you, Anita. Thanks thank for coming you for on. Me. Um, and for those of you who are listening, thanks so much for choosing to spend time with this podcast. If you have any topics that you would like me to discuss in my future episodes with guests, um, feel free to shoot me a message on Instagram or email me. The information is in the description. I will catch you in two weeks. I don't know your song. <laughs> Bye. Bye.